Getting off the bank to fish is a goal for lots of anglers, and the easiest and least expensive way to do that is to do it on a paddle craft, and we're going to talk about that on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Of course, brought to us as always by Sportsman's Warehouse. Check them out at sportsmans.com or 136 stores nationwide. They've been part of Fishful Thinker from the very earliest days. So check out Sportsman's and your next needs for tackle and outdoor gear. Summertime, guys. The very end of June at this point, and uh, summer has sprung, and what that also means is we're getting a significant amount of paddle craft on the lake, and I know a lot of anglers out there who absolutely despise paddle craft. I know anglers in paddle craft that despise boaters. I know there's always a rift between the two. Uh, which I understand and don't understand all at the same time. As a guy who owns three paddle boards, three kayaks, a canoe, a full-size bass boat, and an electric hand launch boat, I kind of see everybody's side of the equation. Uh, nobody, everybody thinks their craft is the most important or the least intrusive or whatever the case might be. And, and my answer is this. We all just need to figure out how to get along. And if we do that, we'll be better off. But... I have no problem fishing in my big boat around paddle boards. I have no problem being on my paddle board and fishing around big boats and everywhere in between. It's just a matter of mixing up your stuff. And let's be honest, the economy's not doing fantastic these days. A lot of people are are maybe not in the best financial position. The boat market's definitely gotten slower, but what has definitely not gotten slower is the paddle craft market. And there is a lot of paddle boards and kayaks on the water these days. And in my mind, it represents the logical first step for getting off the bank. Now, I would have said years ago that float tubing is the logical first step for getting off the bank because that's really, really was back then, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. But I've never been a huge fan of float tubing. I used to have one, uh, did some of it, um, was not my favorite deal. And the reason being is you're too low to the water. Push comes to shove. When your butt's in the water, you don't have a lot of casting control. You don't have a lot of line control. You don't have a lot of accuracy. Obviously, it's slow to get around. Uh, it can only carry so much tackle. So there's lots of reasons why the the float tube was never my favorite. That, and I also grew up in South Florida, where the idea of float tubing really just makes you gator or shark bait, depending on if you're in fresh or salt water. So really wasn't my thing. Uh, when I first moved to Colorado, I did some some tubing uh, for trout and just, like I said, just never bonded with it. Having said that, as soon as I uh, got my first kayak, I'm like, wait a minute, I can fish off of this. And it's kind of gone from there. So these days I'll fish off a kayak, I'll fish off the paddleboard, and I'll fish off my 11-foot hand launch boat uh, very commonly, but we're not going to talk about any of those, just the paddle craft for the remainder of this podcast, because I think that's the easiest one for most people to get. These days, the paddle boards are inflatable, obviously, so you can put them in the trunk of your car. I have literally flown through airport with them in a backpack, uh, with the pump, the paddle, the whole thing, uh, put it as a check bag. It comes in under weight restrictions, flown across country with a paddle board. So very, very, uh, portable way to fish. Also, they can be purchased for anywhere from a couple hundred bucks all the way up to as much as you want to spend. Now, 
I have several paddleboards in my garage. So if you don't already have one and you're considering buying a paddleboard to fish off of, um, let's talk about paddleboards first and then we'll talk about kayaks. I strongly recommend that you get a big paddleboard if you're going to fish off of it because it, the bigger paddleboard is the easier it is to stand on. Conversely, the slower it is to paddle. So the negative is it's harder to paddle at having you know, but being able to stand on it and being more stable is really important. And anybody can stand on a regular paddleboard, but can you stand and fight fish? on a paddleboard is a whole nother story. The other thing is you're going to put a fair bit of weight on that paddleboard potentially, and maybe even some racks and some things like that. We'll get into more of that, at which point it will get to be a little bit more top heavy. So my favorite paddleboard is, is actually got sponsons on the side. It's a three chamber paddleboard. It's 11 feet long and 38 inches wide. So it's wider than a normal paddleboard, which typically comes in around 32 inches wide. Those extra six inches in width are made by sponsons on either side or separate air chambers. And they basically disperse the buoyancy of the paddleboard to the edges in the same way that a catamaran would do uh, in terms of a sailboat, like a, like a Hobie cat, where all the flotations on the two edges of the boat rather than the middle. Uh, same kind of thing with an outrigger on a, on a uh, kayak in the ocean where you get, again, you get a flotation thing out to one side, helps the boat be more stable. My paddleboard is that way. And it also, besides making it more stable, makes it rated for more weight. So off top of my head, I think mine's rated for 450 pounds, which is a lot by, by paddleboard standards. Uh, but in terms of fishing off it, I would rather have the big stable board than I would the small, nimble, light, fast board. And so my smaller, lighter boards that are 32 inches wide and 11 feet long, they're great if I want to go on a high-speed run. And when you really push, I can do about a 16, 17-minute mile um, on a paddleboard, which is not that easy to do. Uh, but on the big paddleboard, I'm more like 22 minutes. So it gives you some idea how much it slows you down. But I can literally put my 72-pound Labrador Danger on the front, plus me at 150-ish pounds, 145 pounds, plus my tackle, uh, which may be, say, 20 pounds total between everything. Um, I'm not even halfway through the weight range of the paddleboard. So it's very, very stable to be on. And the, the key is when you have to go through the motions of casting, you're going to be transferring weight back and forth. That's one. Or for two, when you're fighting a fish, the paddleboard is going to get pulled around. Even if it's a relatively small fish, it's going to pull the paddleboard around, which is kind of fun, right? That's, that's the fun part of the whole thing. But uh, but you need to be able to stand on it and be comfortable. So first thing is get a big paddleboard, uh, a wide, stable paddleboard, if at all possible. Don't don't skimp and get a 10-foot-long, 32-inch model because you're going to find it's hard to fish on. And most importantly, if you fall off of this paddleboard, all your stuff's going to get wet too, right? So the more stable the paddleboard is, the better off you're going to be in that regard. Now, I just mentioned falling off. If you're going to fish off a paddleboard, the first thing you need to know is how to get back on that paddleboard in the event that you fall off. 
I am not a safety Nazi by any stretch. I'd be the first guy to tell you that I take chances on a regular basis with lots of stuff. But if I'm going to fish on my paddleboard, I'm going to have it leashed to me for one. In other words, an ankle strap like a surfer would have so that in the event that I do fall off, because I am more likely to fall off while fighting a fish, my paddleboard doesn't go anywhere, for one. I'm tied to it. For two, I wear a base, or a waist pack uh, that is an inflatable uh, PFD. Now, I want to point out, these are not legal in a motorized vessel, but they are legal on a paddleboard so long as you are wearing it. And check your state laws on that, but in my state, they are. So it goes around your waist, and it will inflate if you fall off. So between that and the leash, the chances of me, even in cold water situation, either being separated from my board or having an issue with boat wakes or anything else are very slim. And, uh, and I'm also legal all the time. So the, those two things come together really quickly uh, when I'm going to be on a paddleboard. I'm going to strongly recommend that you at very least be leashed to it and that your life jacket is easy to get off of that paddleboard in the event that uh, you do fall in. Now, if you're leashed to your board, obviously it's not gonna go anywhere and you can get a hold of your board to keep you above water. But if you can't get back on your board, then how are you gonna get it back to shore and uh, or get it to wherever to get back on it? So the life jacket will help you there. So that's the end of my safety spiel, no more of that. Next thing, speaking of safety, my fishing rods will very commonly be either leashed to the paddleboard or have a floaty put on the base of the rod so that I don't lose them in the event that I or my stuff goes overboard. The Flip side of that is I also don't take my high-end rods. I'm not going to take my Abu Garcia Xenons out on the paddleboard where there's a risk that they're going to go for a swim. And I don't want to dissuade you from paddleboarding because of the risk of swimming, but anyone that puts their head in the sand about something like this is missing the, missing the boat altogether. So I'm not going to take my high-end stuff. I'm going to take my more lower-end stuff on the paddleboard. Uh, and even at that, I'm going to have either a floaty or have it tied off to the boat at which any point that I'm not actually holding on to the paddle or, or to the rod itself. In other words, if it's in the rod holder, it will be clipped so it stays in there. Now, my particular paddleboard has a metal uh, leaning post, so to speak, that you can quickly attach or detach. There's lots of fishing specific paddleboards that have those. They're handy because you can put fishing rod in the rod rack and then clip it there and it will stay there in the event that the paddleboard is capsized. The rod's still attached to the, to the paddleboard. Very good. The other thing is I use all my Plano 3700 waterproof boxes for anything I'm taking on the paddleboard for the same reason. In the event that it flips over, those boxes all float. Even when they're full of stuff, they float. And so I'm not going to lose them. Things like my pliers are tied to my paddleboard or my shorts. If you're a fan of Fistful Thinker, you know they are always clipped to my shorts. And the reason being is you never know when you're going to need your pliers. I never have to wonder where they are. They are always, doesn't matter where I'm fishing or how I'm fishing, they are clipped to me all the time. I don't care if I'm in the ocean in a big boat or in my bass boat or my little green crawdad boat or on my paddleboard. They are on and clipped on all the time. So basically what I'm getting at is all of your stuff either needs to have floaties on it or be attached to something or be recklessly expendable, uh, one of the three uh, things as far as that goes. A an accessory that I feel like is really important if you're going to fish off of a paddleboard is an anchor. And... 
in my case, I have a small, I think it's three pounds. It's not much. It's basically a little tiny kayak anchor. Uh, it pops open. It expands open. Uh, it's one of those classic anchors that pop open when it gets to the bottom uh, and you drag it. It opens and will snag the bottom. It's not just pure weight that holds it down there. It will grab stuff on the bottom. The anchor is important and I keep it tied off at roughly uh, twice the depth of the water I'm in. And I have it tied to the paddleboard that way. So as soon as I hook a fish, I'll just kick that anchor off the side of the boat and it will catch the boat and anchor it and keep me from being towed around by the fish. So it becomes a control issue for in the boat. The other thing it is, is if I want to fish in any sort of a breeze, I get upwind of my of my target, drop the anchor, and then I can fish. And then the way I have it tied off short like that, I don't have to retie it each time. I just say, okay, well, I'm in 10 feet or less of water all day, so my anchor line is going to be 15 to 20 feet long all day long. Tie it off that way, leave it there, don't worry about fine-tuning it, just kick it off the side of the boat, let it catch the bottom, and, and you'll be stable enough to deal with fish or re-rig or actually do some fishing. So an anchor on a thin anchor line is super handy to have. In the case of my anchor line, I also have a clip on it, uh, which is similar to what you'd find on the end of maybe uh, a, a set of jumper cables. The reason is, I, with a, like for instance, right now we've got high water all around the west. I can fish in and around cottonwood trees or willow bushes. I will take that anchor line that's got that clip attached to it and just grab onto a tree limb with it and it's effectively the same as anchoring. It will hold me somewhere right around wherever that tree is and allow me the control I need to fish. And so uh, that's a very handy tool to have. So between the anchor and the, the uh, I would say, what do I say, clamp on, a grabber, whatever you want to call it, that's on the anchor line, those two things allow me the control I need, and that's uh, that's a very very handy thing. And I, I really feel like that that those are critical if you're going to fish off the paddleboard. Another thing about fishing off the paddleboard that that needs to be kept in mind is you're not going to have the power you would normally have. In other words, I can't really punch a big hard cast. I can't really blast a big old hook set. So this is not the time to have your punching rig and your bass rod, your 7 foot 11 flipping stick and your 80 pound braid. You're not you're not going to have that kind of power because if you try to jerk that hard on a paddleboard unless it's on the end of a tight anchor line, it's going to take off the other direction. Instead of your hook coming to you, you're going to go to it and uh and that is fundamentally different. So my techniques that I'm going to use with a paddleboard tend to be techniques that are way less physically intensive to use. So more finesse things, things that are easy to set the hook on, things that are easy to cast. For that reason, I tend to do most of my paddleboard fishing with spinning tackle rather than casting tackle. When I do have casting tackle out there, it's going to be something that's easy to cast and retrieve, like a chopo topwater bait or, or maybe a crankbait, something like that. Not something that's, that, like I said, that's going to be a, a heavy-duty pitching and flipping rig. That's, that's a different level, and that's best saved for your kayak, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, the other thing about paddle boards that I think is really important is you really need to pick your weather day. If you want to drive yourself crazy, you want to frustrate yourself to no end, go fishing on a paddleboard in the wind. Paddleboards and wind do not go together, even when I'm just out recreating. And I want to point out that I recreate on a paddleboard like multiple days a week. I live lakefront. I paddleboard on a regular basis. I love to paddleboard. When it's windy out, 
is not the time to paddleboard. You can't, I mean, the boat will take off significantly faster than the wind because it has no real surface tiction on the surface of the water. Even my great big paddleboard will take off in the wind and you will drive yourself crazy. You'd be better off to stand on the bank and fish than you would be to get on a paddleboard when the wind's really blowing. So that's something I avoid for sure. So you need to pick your timing or your days. For me, the paddleboard's best reserved for first thing in the morning or last thing at night. And just between you and me and the fence post, you want to have a really, really nice morning. Go to some little bass pond that you know of somewhere. Put the boat, put the paddleboard in the water at like, I don't know, 5.30 in the morning when it's barely cracking light right now and go around and fish the cattail edges. Uh, you will have yourself a time between all the wildlife you will see and you're so close to it. You feel like you're walking on it with the paddleboard. You're unobtrusive. Um, you don't displace a lot of water. Animals don't spook from paddleboards a whole bunch in my experience, including waterfowl, uh, herons, all of that stuff. So it's a really neat way to be in, a, in an incredible riparian uh, habitat. And, uh, you know, plus the way you're standing, you have a really good view down in the water. Uh, I'm a Costa sunglass junkie. You guys know that. I've been wearing Costas for literally my entire career, all the way back to when I was in college before I had a career in fishing. And uh, I wear my Costas on the paddleboard. I wear a retainer on them so I can't lose them if I fall in the lake. Because one of my favorite things to do besides fishing is just go down the bank in shallow water when you've got good light penetration and just look at all the crazy animals, all the fish, all the tadpoles, all the bugs, all the, the, the salamanders and bullfrogs and everything else that you see around the habitat. It's one of the things that make paddleboards so cool. Uh, more so than a kayak, which you're sitting down in, you don't have that view into the water as well, or in a big boat, which you're standing in, but now you're displacing water and you're spooking people. Cruising along the paddleboard is really fun in shallow water. Let me throw out a couple more quick things about paddleboarding, and then I'm going to make a quick transition. If you're new to paddleboarding and you haven't been paddleboarding, a couple key things. Get the paddleboard out in a couple or three feet of water before you start trying to learn how to move around on it, maneuver it, get a feel for the paddle. Don't do that in a foot of water because if you fall off the paddleboard in a foot of water, you might put your hand out to catch your fall or something like that. You don't have enough water under you to pad you. Get out three or four feet of water where you can still stand up, where you're not going to lose anything on the paddleboard, but where you're not going to hit the bottom very easily if you fall in. It scares the crap out of me every day when I'm on the big lake in the big boat out here and I see somebody trying to get off of a steel dock and onto a paddleboard because the paddleboard, if you fall, is going to go away from the dock and you're going to fall towards the dock. That is not a good scenario. Same thing in shallow water. If you're going to get on a paddleboard, wade out knee deep and get on it, unless you're very good about getting on a paddleboard. Because if you fall, you want enough water around you to pad you. So that's very important to keep in mind. Also, pay attention to where on the paddleboard you stand, somewhere in the middle of the paddleboard around the handle. The engineer that designed it put the handle there for a reason. Your feet should be somewhere close to the paddleboard. If you're on the front, it's almost impossible to control. If you're on the back, it's very hard to stand on. So get in the middle, and you'll have the best of both worlds. Uh, also important uh, as far as I'm concerned on the paddleboard. So... That's the basics of the paddleboard scenario and where it's at. And I highly recommend you do it. I think it's a blast. I fly fish off the paddleboard. Uh, fly fishing for panfish on a paddleboard will make you giggle like a little kid. I promise you that. So try that out and you'll see, uh, I think you'll see what, uh, what I mean about how much fun it is. Now, let's say you want a kayak because that's really all the rage these days. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. Now, I'm not going to talk about a 
Hobie style or a, an old town style pedal drive, full on, you know, multi-thousand dollar fishing kayak. If you're at that level, you don't need this podcast. I'm talking about a guy who, hey, I want off the bank. I see all these people putt kayaking. I'm going to go on a kayak. I'm not a paddleboard guy. I want to be able to go in the wind. The kayak's quite a bit faster than the paddleboard in terms of getting someplace. Also easier to stand on, more stable in wind and boat waves. There's lots of reasons why a kayak is an excellent choice. The only reason a kayak's not my first choice is I much prefer to be standing up. And the kayak, and most kayaks, just to move around, you have to sit down. So you're constantly in a battle of moving and standing and moving and standing. And there's a lot of kayaks you can stand in and fish. I have a very basic... I think it's 10 and a half feet long fishing kayak. It's just uh, an open top kayak. Uh, it's not a sit on top with, with scupper holes. It's an actual sit inside kayak, but it's fishing specific. It has a couple of rod holders on it. It's got a dry storage container, but it's a basic kayak. I think full retail was like 450 bucks on it at Sportsman's Warehouse. Not a high-end kayak by any stretch. I do recommend getting a good paddle because the paddle is your engine. When you go buy a, a bass boat, I'm a recommend, I always recommend you get the most horsepower it's rated for. When you buy a trolling motor, I say get the most trolling motor you can afford. Well, if you're going to buy a paddle for your paddle or your kayak, either one, your paddleboard or your kayak, get a good paddle because that's your motor right there. First of all, it's more comfortable. Second of all, it's more efficient. So make sure you get a good paddle. Talk to the folks when you go in to buy it. They'll help you get squared away with that. A fishing kayak to me has a little bit wider bottom. It's not a rounded bottom like you see some of the, the cheap ones, like I say, a Sun Dolphin brand. They have a rounded bottom, which means the boat rocks side to side more and more. The fishing-specific kayaks tend to have a, a, a sponson or a hard chine or a hard edge on the outsides of the, of the kayak. And that will help with stability and help the boat track in a straight line. And tracking in a straight line is very handy when you're fighting fish. It keeps them from pulling your boat sideways or making the boat lean or anything like that. So I like that as far as the, the kayak goes. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. The kayak doesn't. Having a, a rod holder is super handy because it gets a rod out of your way for moving around and less chance of breaking the rod, which is important as well. Same thing with the rack I mentioned on my paddleboard that points the rod straight up. Less chance of stepping on it or breaking it with a paddle. Same thing with the kayak. With the rod pointed straight up and behind you, Hard to hit with a cut with a paddle. Um, unless you flip the kayak, the rod's pretty safe right there. And in my experience, I want to point out that having that rod straight up behind you, if it's right straight behind you, is not in the way of your casting. So if you have multiple rods, it's not too bad. If it's on one side or the other, you need to pick which shoulder you're casting off of. But straight behind me, I can cast either one. And it's close enough to me that I'm not going to catch it with the with the lure. So when you first look at a kayak with a putt with a with the rods looking straight up behind you, it looks like it's going to be in the way, but in my experience, it is not. I don't fundamentally change a lot of my tackle and things, whether I'm on a kayak or a paddleboard. Um, again, I still use the floating Plano boxes, the waterproof sealed Plano boxes. Uh, it doesn't change. My pliers are still tied to me or my kayak all the time. In the kayak, a lot of times they'll be tied to the kayak itself just because it's harder to get to your hip to get your pliers out versus standing on a paddleboard where I can reach them easily. So I might tie them to the kayak right in front of me as well. Uh, 
Same thing with the with the PFDs. You got to keep your PFDs handy. I like to keep them in sight on the deck of the boat. If I'm not wearing it, I like to strap it on top. And the only reason is so the park rangers can see it. Otherwise, you're going to get a question. Do you have a life vest? If you don't want to be harassed, put your life vest in view. They can see it and they're not going to harass you, at least on my home lake. And I don't mean harass. I mean check you because you deserve it. If you don't have a paddle, if you don't have a PFD, you deserve it, in my opinion. I've rescued a whole bunch of paddleboarders and a couple of kayakers over the course of my career, uh, lots of paddleboarders who blew away from their raft and couldn't do anything about it. And I've suck them up in the boat and bring them back to their to their paddleboard. You should bring and wear a PFD on a paddleboard or at least have it handy all the time on your paddleboard and a leash too. Again, I'm not a safety Nazi, but I'm back to that safety point because I'd like to save people on the lake. I don't want to hear the stories. So Kayaks and paddleboards. I think they're underrated as fishing vessels. I think, you know, these days you can make a kayak as complicated as you want for fishing. I talked to a guy in the lake the other day, uh, full on live sonar on it, um, lithium ion battery, uh, electric power pole, a mini power pole on the back of it to, for a shallow water anchor. Um, an electric motor for a drive system. I mean, there's no way this kayak wasn't five or six thousand dollars, but it doesn't have to be that way. The first step can be a three or four hundred dollar basic kayak from Sportsman's, a good quality paddle. Uh, take your cheap rods, and then again, the, the kayak is best served early or late in the day, as with any other paddle craft or small boat for that matter. Take advantage of the quiet times. The good thing about uh, kayaks that I like the most over the paddleboards is the speed at which they have. So one of the things I will do if I'm going from spot to spot uh, in my kayak is I'll troll. And it's pretty easy for me to go about a mile and a half an hour, easy or more than that even, on the kayak, uh, pretty easy. And again, I haven't actually timed a, a kayak mile like I have the paddleboard mile but I'm pretty sure I can go at least a mile and a half an hour. And that's plenty fast to troll for trout. And so I'll put a bait that floats, but that dives when you retrieve it. So something like a hit stick, put it out behind the paddleboard and then, or the kayak and, and paddle wherever it is you're headed. And a lot of times I'll get bit before I get there. And so it's just kind of a bonus catch thing. And even better than that, if you just want to go troll around with the family with a couple of kids and kayaks, put something flatline out behind your kayak, not have to be very far behind your kayak, 30 feet maybe, you might be surprised at how often that thing will get bit as you're cruising around in, in the kayak. I think it's because the kayak doesn't spook as many fish as the big boat does with a gas motor and electric motor, um, but it still disturbs the surface film enough to get fish's attention and things like that. So trolling behind the, the kayak is an excellent uh, call. It's plenty fast to do so, and it can be a viable method to get some excellent exercise as well uh, while you're getting some kayaking. So a, a straight-up day of trolling in a kayak where you just pick a contour line around a lake somewhere and paddle your way around it, you might be surprised at how many fish you catch just straight-up trolling one. And there again is where the rod holder straight behind you pointing straight up will, uh, will be an excellent call. So guys, if you're a boater, let me throw a couple things out. If you listen to this and you're a boater, it means you're an open-minded boater. In my experience, I don't care how many paddleboards or kayaks get on top of my boat, it doesn't seem to bother the fish at all. And in fact, one of my favorite things is to just sit on the paddleboard and watch the water and see how many fish will get underneath it. Uh, don't let it get to you that there's a paddleboard or a kayak somewhere near you in your boat. I know it can be frustrating. I'm a fishing guide. I get guys that have, they're completely oblivious, college kids on paddleboards, 
that have no idea that they're being rude by going between you and the bank while you're trying to fish. You're a half a cast length off the bank, but it's not a malicious thing so much as it's an ignorance thing. Sometimes I'll gently remind people of that. Hey, it'd be really nice if you didn't go right over the tops of my lines. Having said that, it doesn't stop my fishing. It's just a frustration thing, and it doesn't really seem to bother the fish. I'm sure in some scenarios it would, but most of the time it doesn't. In the same way that rafts coming down the river, I fish the Colorado River, it can be a whole series of rafts come right over the hole, and by the time the last raft is on the exit end of the hole, I'm already catching fish again. The, the rafts don't bother the fish. They might shut down a surface bite for a second, but they're certainly not bothering the fish. And the same thing on the big lake, the kayaks and the paddle boards, not really bothering the fish. They're bothering the fishermen more than anything else. And if you are a paddleboarder or a kayak, understand the other way around that a little bit of space, at least a full cast length between you and whatever boats you get near, uh, would be well appreciated by the boater and keep relationships better. And also keep in mind that you are now a pedestrian in traffic, so to speak. So you wouldn't ride your bicycle down the middle of the, of the highway. You wouldn't walk as a pedestrian down the middle of Main Street don't do it as a paddleboard or kayak either. Go down one edge or the other, cross at a 90 degree if you need, but just get in the middle of a boating lane and going down the middle of it just makes you a nuisance and puts you in a little bit of danger. So as a guy who spends time in all of the above as far as vessels go, just learn to be cognizant of where you are. Understand that when you're the pedestrian or when you're the vehicle and the two different things have a little bit of courtesy between each other and you'll get along just fine. So. I love paddling. I love fishing off paddle boards and kayaks uh, as much as I do anything else. And I recommend you try it as a first step to get off the bank. So, guys, if you want to join the conversation on social media, I would appreciate that very much. That's at Fishful Thinker on Instagram or Facebook. Hopefully, you're tuning into our YouTube channel. That, of course, is at Fishful Thinker as well as TikTok. Our YouTube channel is definitely a labor of love and uh, well over 600 videos, well over 2 million views. Uh, would love to have you check that out. It's all education-based. Uh, I think you would enjoy checking out some of the stuff there. We'd appreciate that very much. Otherwise, also, we hope you'll tune in and see what we're up to on Altitude Sports and Entertainment and World Fishing Network. So, on behalf of Sportsman's Warehouse, this has been Fishful Thinker, a podcast. <laughs>